you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. Chris Foss here from thechrisfossshow.com. Thechrisfossshow.com. Welcome to the big show in the sky. We certainly appreciate it. On the interwebs in the sky, it just rotates through those uh, pneumatic tubes that process the uh, dot-coms in the sky. So welcome to the show. Holy moly, uh, folks. We have just some amazing guests this week. I think we have like three shows a day book this week i don't know how that happened because i only do two we have like three shows a day and we have people that are so smart on this show that are clearly not me as always we have the most amazing guests so uh we'll be getting to that in a second but in the meantime as always the plugs the guilt the shaming please refer the show to your family friends and relatives google.com or uh, youtube.com for just chris Foss. uh you can google it too if you want i mean it's a free country uh you know and you can do that in other countries that aren't free too i think i think it's if you can get access to the google i don't know that's a whole different political statement anyway uh go to linkedin.com for says chris Foss, goodreads.com for says chris Foss, and all those places on the internet uh where you can find us as always uh today we have an amazing gentleman on the show he's the author of the new book inside the liberal arts Critical Thinking and Citizenship. Uh, Jeffrey Schuer is on the show with us today, and he's going to be talking to us about his amazing uh, new book uh, and uh, some of the insights and things that we're going to learn about it. He is the acclaimed author and freelance writer. He is an information ecosystem expert, top press professional, and elite educators have sought his insight on media politics and most recently higher education he's on a mission a mission from god no i don't know if it's a mission from god i just like that line from uh, blues brothers he's on a mission to eliminate for society what it means to think critically and live as an educated citizen a citizen in a thriving democracy his new book is the only book to systematically relate the liberal arts to thinking rationally and critically he uh, takes liberal arts educators, students, and media and consumers through an exploration of the role of higher education in democracy. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey. How are you? I'm great, Chris. Thanks. Great to be here. There you go. We threw a lot of energy in the show. Did I get your last name pronounced correctly? Scheuer. 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 Jeffrey Scheuer is on the show with us today. Uh, Jeffrey, uh, give us the dot coms wherever you want people to find you on the interwebs, please. JeffreyScheuer.com. Uh, inside the uh, liberal arts.com and uh, you can buy the book at Ro roman and littlefield.com there you go and uh, so give us an idea a 30 foot overview of the of the book and what goes inside of it okay chris um, the book started uh, as an exploration of critical thinking and the liberal arts because i kept hearing people say the liberal arts are for critical thinking um no one explained what that meant or how they are connected. And I decided I'd try to figure it out, and I hope I succeeded. Um, so Inside the Liberal Arts is an examination of the core, the history, and the conceptual foundations of liberal learning. Um, 
and at the same time, because it turns out they're really one and the same enterprise, it's an exploration of critical thinking. Um, the third part is why critical thinking and the liberal arts are crucial to democracy. There you go. Um, all right. Uh, you know, we, I think we hit an internet bump there. Can you, can you feed that to me again? I, I know we hit an internet sure. bump and we lost some of that audio. Sure. Uh, what I was saying was uh, I started the book exploring the idea that critical thinking and the liberal arts are related because it's something people in the academic world, which I'm not really in, but peering into from the outside, like to say. Um, and I wanted to know what they meant. They never explain or define those terms. Mm -hmm. So I decided to uh, take a deep dive into what critical thinking is and what the liberal arts are. And it turns out they're deeply interwoven ideas. Um, rationality, going back to uh, the Greek philosophers, is really the core of the whole enterprise, regardless of what discipline you're in. Um, and then the other part, after looking at the history and conceptual structure of liberal learning and what critical thinking is all about, um, I explore why liberal arts are so important to democracy. There you go. There you go. So let's get into it. What are the liberal arts for people that might confuse it with politics or something of that nature? Sure. Um, the easiest, uh, the, the easiest way to define the liberal arts is they're not vocational education. They're not STEM education. Mm -hmm. uh, they're not pre-professional education. They're not, uh, anything really skill-based except for mental skills, which are very important there. Um, so they include the humanities, the social sciences, and the natural sciences as a sort of integrated whole. Mm -hmm. There you go. And so uh, you wrote the book, and uh, uh, inside of it, you know, I, I we talked before the show about how my uh, one of my Wall Street uh, friends, who was a stockbroker on Wall Street and the CEO of companies later, he told me that him majoring in liberal arts was one of the key things to helping him. Uh, in his business career. And he didn't think that that would ever translate. And so um, uh, give us a deeper dive into liberal arts uh, and, and what we learn from that and, and how that applies to life and critical thinking. Yeah, well, most obviously we learn to be more critical thinkers, which is mm -hmm. reasoning according to rules and, and uh, guidelines uh, and acting on reasons. Um, but uh, it, I think it's no accident that uh, business executives are looking for liberal arts grads, as are uh, people in specialized schools like military academies and culinary institutes. It's pop getting more popular because of its success in those areas, even as it's being attacked across America. Um, uh, and it's also spreading across Europe and the world on the American model. There you go. There you they're go. In it. They're finding something in it. Uh, and what they're finding is that it produces balanced citizens. Ah, is that, is that the problem where we have so many people running around dining Kruger's disease where, you know, they think they know everything and everyone's a professional in something, you know, every, Every yeah. week on Facebook, whatever the newest thing is, suddenly everyone's a professional in it. Yeah. Uh, you know, something well, happens. Well, we do have experts as well as pseudo experts, and I'm not sure that's a uniquely uh, STEM, uh, science, technology, uh, engineering, math 
for non-liberal arts phenomenon. Mm -hmm. uh, I think you can have that disease as a liberal arts grad, but maybe you're a little uh, more uh, immune to it if you have a good sound background in critical thinking. Hopefully. There you go. And, 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 you know, I've been studying a lot of, uh, stoicism lately over the last few years and, uh, you know, Petitus and Marcus Aurelius and, mm -hmm. and a lot of philosophers too. I mean, there's a reason, you know, these people resonate with us, uh, from, you know, ancient Greece, et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Um, Aristotle, et cetera, all that, um, it, it is because, you know, they, they put their finger on the pulse of human nature and behavior and dealing with the world. Uh, and, uh, and I think a lot of liberal arts incorporate some of that. Is that correct? Absolutely. I argue in the book that his, both historically and logically, the liberal arts come out of Greek philosophy, which invented rational thought really in the mm. West, at least in the West. Um, and it was more Plato than anyone else who, who invented it and Aristotle who refined it. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that project has been ongoing ever since, and it's called philosophy, but it has, it has generated questions that have created new disciplines all along the way from political science to uh, linguistics to economics, you name it. They're all, or most of them at least, somewhat offshoots of philosophy. There you go. There you go. Um, you know, it, critical thinking is so important. Being able to evaluate stuff, being able to think. Um, you know, I when I I, I sent my um, two nephews off to when they graduated high school, my nephew and my niece, I wrote to them and I tried to put, I tried to spouse a letter to them, things that were important in life, uh, collecting stories, um, enjoy the journey, um, not the destination. Be, take time to look around, you know, things that I wish someone would told me when I was graduating high school. And one of the important things I told them was, you know, uh, there are three things in life. There's the things, you know, there's things you don't, you know, you don't know. And one of the most important things you need to pay attention to are the things you don't know, you don't know. And sometimes those are the, those are the arrows that are going to come at you that uh, you don't see coming because you, you aren't aware of them. But, and when it also comes to learning critical thinking too, um, and, and to me, that's so important and, and studying these things, because, you know, we say on the show a million times, we have so many historians that come on the show too, uh, that we talk about the one thing man can learn from his history is that man never learns from his history. And this is why we go around and around. In yeah. fact, uh, you know, sometimes, the whole thing where we try and erase our history, uh, one of the problems with that is, is we need to learn from it instead of erase it, you know? Right. Um, so critical thinking is just so important and, uh, in how that deals with it. Um, in, in the, in the context of what's going on in college is one of the disturbing things I see in colleges now, uh, is this, this, uh, attack of being able to debate ideas and talk about ideas. Yes. You know, and I, uh, there's a lot of stuff that comes from the right political right on it. I'm a moderate Democrat and I can see both sides of the extremes of our parties that, f that fight against this stuff. You know, the book banning, the, um, uh, you name it, you know, if somebody has an opinion that hurts your feelings, you're going to shout it down instead of like trying to debate it. And college used to be these great bastions of debating and ideas and, 
you know, some of my favorite things of watching um, great debates, whether it was Christopher Hitchens in debate measures or, or uh, you know, there's the famous uh, Baldwin. Uh, CMF Buckley. Yeah, that, that's such a great thing. But, you know, a lot of those debates used to have that. Now, uh, you know, there's recent, you see recent the news where, you know, people can't, even if they have different opinion, can't get up in, in free speech, those opinions, without being shouted down. Yeah, that's it's unfortunate. It's sad. It's wrong. It has to change. Uh, it's difficult to change because it's, a, it's an amorphous cultural environment uh, that we're talking about. But people like the dean of Stanford Law School have to stand up for free speech, as she did uh, when her students tried to sh uh, shout it down a visiting uh, speaker they didn't like. Um, absolutely, there has to be debate, respectful debate in universities. They are laboratories of democracies. Yeah. schools above all. I just want to go back to something you said earlier, Chris, about your advice to your nephews and nieces. It was great, wise stuff. Um, they probably threw it away. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, that's what you do when you're a teenager. Maybe after reading it. And, you know, I have friends who are going to school now or about to go to school, and I just tell them, be curious, explore, find what you love, because what you love is what you'll learn best and mm -hmm. what you'll do best. And that's what motivates all real learning. Yeah, having an open mind. Having being, an open mind, which does not mean not having opinions. Yeah. You, you can have your opinions, and I have strong opinions like you, um, but there has to be respectful debate or democracy just doesn't work. Yeah, and and, and opening your mind to so many things. I, I've been, you know, I, I, I'm not using this as a, uh, I, I, I'm just showing in politics how I've moved. It's a good example. That's what I'm trying to say. So I've gone from being a uh, Republican to being a very uh, far liberal. I didn't really realize how far out I was. And then now I'm a moderate Democrat. Um, there's if lots of there, I would have kept you out there. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> I, and I've, I can see, I can look at both sides of the political spectrum. Cause we talk a lot about that on the show. We have authors that written in political books. So, uh, you know, I have to, I have to kind of take all sides. We have Republicans and Democrats on the show. Um, and so, but with just about any topic, uh, aside from politics, uh, you know, I, I think people watch me on Facebook. I was talking about this the other day on my Facebook post. I'm like, yeah, a lot of you have seen me journal on Facebook and you've seen me, my I, ideas progress and, and uh, maybe progress is not the right word. Maybe they digressed. Uh, who knows? I guess someone will be the judge of that. Um, but you know how my stuff evolves and how I evolve. And to me, God, if I was the same person I was five years ago or 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago, I, I can't imagine ever having that life. And so being able to critically think and, and, and uh, do philosophy and understand stuff. I mean, there's always so much insight and going back to it. I keep a copy of Marcus Aurelius's book right here next to my desk. Wonderful. The meditations, the meditations. Wonderful book. It took me 50 years to get around to them, but uh, I probably should have read them sooner. So I can, Oh, here it is. It's right here on top of my speaker. Uh, meditations, Marcus Aurelius. Um, the, um, so I was wondering where it went. Uh, 
But uh, so what are some other things that people can do and, and, and how can people learn liberal arts better? I mean, of course, buying your book, I guess, is a yeah, part of it. That would be a, a huge leg up for those who, for those who read it. Uh, and I say that with at least some modesty because the book is somehow smarter than I am. But I want to go back to what you were saying about free speech because there's really two opposite problems that I see as creating the situation of intolerance. Uh, one is, yes, we have a generation of college students who are much more vulnerable, much more given to slights and triggers, and they have to grow up. Um, that's just not how society works, and they're not being prepared for society by being so sensitive that they can't take some challenge and some controversy and some dispute. Um, and uh, that's one problem. And the other problem is Trumpism, because it has shrunk the spectrum of dignified debate, because so many of the Republicans have gone over to the far side, uh, to the lies and, and the conspiracy theories, that it's very hard to debate them. It's very hard to debate them. So, so I think those are the two problems we need to overcome. Uh, I don't have a uh, an easy solution or silver bullet, but um, um, the one the, go ahead. Critical thinking uh, is part of it, certainly. It most definitely is. It, it, it's almost you like evolving as you have evolved. I have not evolved as you have. I've gotten older, um, but I wouldn't say my opinions have changed that much. I, I admire you that you're open to that. You know, it, it kind of comes from a survival sense and a business sense. Um, on on one hand, I was damned, and on another hand, I was blessed. And so it's a it's a is there a dichotomy sort of thing uh, analogy for that? But I grew up in a cult, and I grew up with a very heavy religion that was trying to program me uh, into being a bot for them very harshly. And I asked a lot of questions. For some reason, I was born with a brain that went, no, I don't think so. I'm not doing your thing. You got to explain it to me before I get it. And, um, it, it set me on this course in life where I constantly ask why people do things. Why do you believe in things? Why do you believe that? It, it, it makes my show great because I'm curious about people. Why do you live the life you did? Why did you choose to go down a pathway? Um, you know, to me, life is these beautiful forests of pathways where you, there's uh, multiple forks in the road and you choose to go left or right or whatever the variation is and you go down that road and and you know it's it's uh, it's all about the journey and not the destination so it's curious to me and i have an innate curiosity for people as to why they do what they do and how they do what they do and you know i don't think i have the best life i don't think maybe i chose the best things i think i think people that tell me that they have no regrets are foolish um but what do i know maybe i'm wrong and I consider that as well. Uh, but so I've always kind of had this thing where I'm always like, what the fuck is going on? And why are we doing this this way? Yeah. And it's helped me in business being an entrepreneur because I can look at business models and I can go, why did they do it this way? And how could this be done better? And how can this be innovated? And so it's helped me in a lot of different ways, even though I'm still scarred from childhood. But uh, that's another, that's another matter for my psychiatrist yeah. to talk to later today. Well, um, curiosity is the driving thing if you don't have that uh you have a problem but um you know, it's all about asking questions and, and mm -hmm. i think critical thinking 
learning to think critically, to make distinctions and to make connections and to see generalities and particulars and to go back and forth between them. I think that helps us to formulate better questions. And it doesn't give us answers, but it, it, it helps us to see where the good questions lie. Yeah. And I was, I was lucky in life to have people that, uh, validated the way I was thinking. I mean, George Carl, George Carlson, George Carl, Carlin, George Carlin. Carlin. It's Monday for me today. Sorry. Uh, George Carlin, you know, helped save me. I, I'm probably alive today because of him, because, uh, you know, what he talked about with religion, I finally met somebody outside of my cult that, that, that spoke reason to me and, and made me realize that I wasn't alone. There were other people who thought like me. Uh, for some reason, I had a natural thinking process to it. Is 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 one of the is one of the problems that we have in today's society um, a laziness of the mind, where people, you know, we we all want to be entertained. And one of the problems with uh, uh, social media, especially, I think, in recent yeah. years, and I think that's what gave rise to Trump and other things, um, is that we've kind of become more and more lazy, where we want to be entertained, we want instant entertainment. You know, and I'm guilty. I'll admit to it. I'm guilty of spending four hours in, on a, in a night watching TikTok, going through it, and then suddenly I wake up and the lights are on in the morning. Um, and I watch movies late at night when I should be uh, <laughs> reading. But, yeah. You know, I, I wrote a book called The Soundbite Society in 1999. And that oh, was wow. Before. It was about television and radio and how they atomize information and how doing that helps the right and hurts the left. Um, and uh, that was before social media completely fractured and fragmented the media landscape uh, and where and how we get news and how we tell news from non-news. Um, so, and before me, there was Neil Postman, a great writer and media theorist who wrote a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death about uh, how television is corrosive. Uh, I think Facebook is worse. I think all the all the menu of uh, options kids have today for for social media are just absorbing their time, fragmenting their attention. Uh, they're probably learning some mental skills that we don't have. Mm. They certainly are better at using their devices than folks of my age are. But um, what is lost? Conversation, reading, core elements of community of citizenship of democracy uh are getting lost there there you go i mean i've i've been i you know I, i've been single all my life and uh i've tried getting married a couple times i just don't have the millions for the divorce so i'm still saving up for them um <laughs> uh and so i have a lot of quiet time in my life and being a business owner i mean i i was married to my companies really for most of my life and so being someone who sits down and contemplates stuff who tries to innovate companies and i have a lot of quiet time on my hands other than when my dogs are back talking me because they're not getting up treats and so that's been one of the most important creative times and learning times and pondering my existence times as ever has been my quiet times and one thing i found with my addiction to tiktok and youtube sometimes is sometimes i try and quilt uh, fill my quiet moments with that noise and and I, I've been very aware in the back of my hindbrain that I'm going, you know what you're doing, Chris. You're just 
filling your you know it's kind of like when people eat bad food which i've also been guilty of is is eating emotionally because you're you're like you're like i'm not bored what should i do oh fuck it i'll eat a giant ass burger and then spend half an hour you know three days trying to process that crap through my system because i don't know i had nothing better to do today i guess i don't know um and and so there's kind of a laziness of the mind and so lately i've been getting after myself and i go knock it off Take some time just to sit and kind of think. And I did that this weekend. I turned off all my uh, all my uh, Call of Duty gaming that I normally do and contact that I play with my friends. And I just kind of went through stuff and audited a bunch of things and went, hmm, what, what's everything doing? You know, what's this? I actually found two podcasts we had it published um, that people had asked us to hold. And that's always a bad thing. Um and uh, we, they'd ask us to hold them till the publish date, and we never exercised them on the publish date. So uh, being able to sit in the quiet, in the stillness, and to not have some of these distractions, like our, you wrote about in your other book, and I'm really curious about that. I'm going to delve into that and probably order it. Uh, the Soundbite Society, How Television Helps the Right and Hurts the Left, but also uh, it, there's probably a whole new second book you can do on that with the Fox News lawsuit. Um, but 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 just being in the stillness of our life. Yes, and, and stillness doesn't have to be mindful meditation. There's mm -hmm. a whole spectrum of activities. We can't run our minds at warp speed all the time. We can't be reading the Magic Mountain all the time or, or Ulysses. Uh, we need rest, relaxation. But I found, first I watch a lot of baseball, which I find very stimulating and interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, it's not, I wouldn't say an education, but it's fun. And I'm thinking all the time when I'm watching. Um, another thing I do is I do a lot of puzzles, which I love and like Sudoku, for example, mm -hmm. which is really a mental workout, but it's uh, in a very abstract realm of logic. So um, you're not thinking about the world. You're thinking about solving a logical problem. Mm -hmm. uh, although it involves numbers, it's not mathematics. Um, and I do that and I'm addicted to it. I love it. <laughs> so there's but, a lot of different ways to use your mind, to rest your mind, to run your mind at, at low gear. Um, there's, there's not one formula, obviously, for everyone and many different speeds at which it can be run or rested. There you go. And, and in the title of your book, you talk about citizenship, and in the breadth of the book, you talk about how it can make us better citizens. Give us some more insight into that. How does it make us better in, as citizens? Well, good question. Um, citizenship is intimately wound up with liberal arts, and I would argue all education, mm. absolutely all education is for citizenship, because what is citizenship? It's everything... It's every context in which there's some give and take between an individual and community, a transaction where there's both give and take. So um, if you're helping a neighbor, it's citizenship. Um, if you're walking your dog, it's not citizenship. If you're cleaning up your dog, it is after your dog, it is citizenship. Um, there are many ways to do that. And I figured that there are really three main spheres in which this happens, the economic, the cultural, and the civic or political. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the areas of learning outside the liberal arts are mostly geared toward the economic. They make you a better 
producer, better consumer, et cetera. Um, but they don't affect the other two realms. And only the liberal arts uh, promote all three of those realms of citizenship. So that's basically my argument for the liberal arts. And it's an argument for democracy because that's what citizenship is. It's participation. Yeah. It's involvement. It's speaking. It's voting. It's volunteering. It's everything we do. It's marching. It's everything we do to try to affect society. There you go. Because if you have a, you know, we've seen what happens if you have an authoritarian uh, society um, and the damage that it does. If you if you go, hey, we're just going to let one guy just take care of everything. We're not. We don't need to get involved with that. We'll just trust him. I'm sure he'll be fine. <laughs> see how that works out. They do is shut down the press, and the second thing they do is shut down the universities, just like. Mm -hmm happened in Hungary recently where they kicked uh, Soros's university out of Budapest mm -hmm. uh, because liberal arts and a free press are the two bulwarks of democracy that authoritarians cannot tolerate. There you go. You know, I, I was, uh, I was watching over the weekend, somehow I tripped into uh, a video on Gaddafi and how he took power and how, uh, uh, you know, initially he was seen as this person that uh was going to be a revolutionary like you've you know you've seen with castro and other authoritarians uh, stalin uh i think i think that's how he tripped into it he, he would sign the it was a thing about how he would sign the death certificates that were very stalinistic and he would he would televise them to televise the terror um yeah. and and of course these weren't these weren't valid crimes that people committed. These were sometimes political hits or sometimes just things for the, the first, the first, uh, the first person he had killed was, uh, a man whose only crime was being guilty of studying abroad in an American university. And as you mentioned before, they go after the people with the critical thinking minds first and the books, they go after the books first. So if you've seen that in Florida or other places, you should be worried about what's going on right now. The Nazarian societies don't need citizens. Yeah. And Florida is looking like a place that doesn't want citizens. And it's interesting how people embrace that. Um, you know, we have a lot of great journalists that come on the show too. Uh, and I have a, I have a huge, uh, love and appreciation for journalists. We have a journalist now that's, uh, um, being held prisoner in, uh, I believe from the wall street journal being yes. held prisoner in, uh, Moscow. Uh, Moscow. We've right. had, uh, people who've talked, uh, written about Khashoggi, uh, and the atrocity there. Um, and, and, uh, one of my friends on Facebook was complaining about how, oh, the journalists and, oh, the news agencies and, oh, the, you know, re the recent coverage of the Trump, uh, arrest, uh, you know, is over, you know, and blah, blah, blah. And I, I recognize that there was a laziness in their thinking in their, in their thing. And the problem was there were people jumping onto their Facebook feed going, oh yeah. The, uh, and, and I, and I said, Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. And as nicely as I could possibly put it, the problem that you're espousing is you want people to turn off their brains and not think, and you want them to be lazy because, oh my God, it's too much work to think about this and everything else you have to think about. And you need to respect the fourth estate and the importance of this and why this moment is seminal in history. This isn't just a, this isn't just a, an enforcement of, of, of a law in New York. This is a signaling around the world. To, right. of democracy a renewal of democracy the fact that not just new york it's going to be georgia it's going to be mm -hmm. dc yeah uh, but i wouldn't let the media totally off the hook chris because sure 
um, it's a minor quibble compared to what you, the point you're making, but uh, it's challenging for the media to cover abstract and procedural things like a trial, like an arraignment. Mm -hmm. And when they cover Trump's motorcade door to door from Mar-a-Lago to the Palm Beach airport, uh, and all you're seeing is cars going down a highway, that's not very newsworthy. Mm -hmm. um, they have to find a better way to illustrate the story than boring mm -hmm. to death with stuff like that. Yeah, it, there is a, I, I would agree with you. There's, there's a, a thing, perfection to it. And maybe they need to have more scholars on that talk about the importance of what it is. I mean, they try to, but I mean, we've, I've had some con constitutional uh, scholars, attorneys, and professors on the show. And, you know, understanding the relevance of, of how powerful that is. I mean, yeah. when, when people see democracy, you know, democracy was really thrown under the ropes under that administration. Yeah. And we came within a few people standing between him and authoritarianism. If you listen to the shows and the authors that we've had on, um, General Milley stated at Biden's inauguration that uh, we barely landed the plane, as he said it. Yeah. Um, and uh, people don't realize how fragile you mentioned Hungary, how quickly and easily that fell. To authoritarianism over over the over a few months of, of covid and uh it, it and and once you lose it it's really hard to get it back uh yeah. if not impossible and the atrocities you have to go through i was like i said i was watching the Qaddafi, uh the Qaddafi, you know his whole arc of going through his political career and how libyans woke up one day and went holy shit we've had a monster uh, you know, you look at what was going on in Russia where, you know, the Russians for so many years were willing to sleep with Putin and go, well, you know, he's not the greatest dude. And yeah, we lost some democracy and freedom, but hey, we got jobs and some money here and we can buy some cars. Uh, well, we'll sell out, right? Well, eventually it always goes bad, which it always does with authoritarians. It's just a matter it's of time. It's doing now. Yeah. yeah, it's just doing now. But the renewal of what we've done in showing that no man's above the law and showing the Madisonian thinking or whatever you want to call it, Jacksonian or the declaration of independence, um, the constitution being able to say that no man has a law above the law, that no man is King, that, that everyone has to follow the rules and the precedence that it sets for a president in the future, yeah. that they better damn think about what they're up to a whole lot more, um, is important. And uh, authoritarians like, uh, China and Russia and Iran, all those people right now are going, damn it, yeah. damn it. Democracy renewed itself. And that's yeah. the beauty of it. We're starting to. We're starting yeah. to. We have a long way to go. But Alvin Bragg's prosecution in New York is just the tip of the iceberg, as you mm -hmm. know. There's a yeah. lot more coming down the road for Trump. Yeah. It's going to dwarf what this, what this case does. Yeah. I think the Justice Department will go through from Jack Smith's thing. But yeah. but the important part of this discussion is the citizenship of it. Yeah. The and people need to be active in it. Yeah, you mentioned <clears throat> more scholars uh, on the air. And uh, to me, that's just also the tip of an iceberg because um, I think we need more scholars doing journalism, more journalism journalists doing serious scholarship. We need to break down some of the barriers there uh, between learning and teaching institutions, which both the media and the university are. Uh, news is just a, adult education. Mm -hmm. uh, 
it's all for citizenship. So there could be a lot more cooperation and less division between those uh, spheres of society. Um, yeah. And it's amazing how many people don't do critical thinking on stuff. Like I'll, I'll have people that will say something to me in passing or a political comment. I mean, where did you see that? And they're like, oh, I saw it on a meme on Facebook or TikTok. I'm like, wait, you're, you're basing your whole political decisions or whatever you're processing of the news through a meme you saw yeah. on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> and the laziness is just yeah. what kind of shocks and amazes me. But, you know, I may have been guilty. to be trained out of you at some point. You have to be disciplined mm -hmm. uh, in some institutional setting to get, you know, to demand truth and, and, and uh, verification of facts. Mm -hmm. Yep. So yeah. there you go. Anything more we want to tease out in your book to get people to order, Jeffrey, before we go? Oh, thanks, Chris. Just that it's a, it's a wide-ranging short book. <laughs> uh, it's a little challenging in parts, but it will pay off because I think it'll make people um, appreciate more what liberal learning is and why it's important. Um, I think it'd be great for students, graduate students, for educators, and and uh, thoughtful, curious people like yourself. There and, you go. And uh, we'll see. There I'm you excited. Go. I'm excited. There you go. I like your book, uh, The Soundbite Society. I'm going to check that out and probably order it. I want. Uh, you might need to update that thing for social yeah. media. The I've TikTok Bite Society. That. I've been told to do that, and I always say I'm waiting for a younger person to come along and update it for me. <laughs> there you go. The Instagram TikTok society, you know, it's immersed in social media at which I shrink from. I can't blame you though. I mean, when it really comes down to it, but it is, you know, it's, it's so addictive. And I think a lot of the crises we're seeing in our life are coming from social media. You know, I, I grew up, I didn't grow up, but I came of age in social media uh, when it was, you know, the Wild West, when Twitter started and everything else. And, you know, you saw the the Arab Spring and different things, and, and everybody was like, kumbaya, it's the new, yeah. it's the thing that will save the world and bring us all together as a humanity. And I'm probably guilty of saying that. And a lot of us didn't understand that sometimes with these sort of technologies or, or new things that... Uh, there's a Pandora's box element to them where there's the good the, and the evil side of both. We saw that in China in 1989 at Tiananmen Square. We thought there was going to be a big revolution and it didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, but people want democracy everywhere. They want it, whether the government uh, likes it or not. And yeah. There will always be people in power to stay in power and yeah. by whatever means necessary. And uh, I think it was... Uh, uh, I can't forget. I forget the uh, uh, journalist who said that to me, but uh, they will fight to stay in power and they will fight to cover up their misdeeds so they can regain power. And that's why it's so important for people to educate themselves and be smart. Uh, thank you very much, Jeffrey, for coming on the show. Let's get your .com so people can find you on the interwebs. Thank you, Chris. It's uh, jeffreyshoyer.com or insidetheliberalarts.com, Roman and Littlefield 
That's R-O-W-M-A-N and littlefield.com. There you go. Inside the Liberal Arts, Critical Thinking and Citizenship, wherever fine books are sold, order up today, folks. We certainly appreciate you tuning in. As always, refer the show to your family, friends, and relatives. Guilt them into subscribing to the show. No, don't do that. We're just being funny. You don't have to guilt them, but you can prod them a little bit. <laughs> Tell them to go to YouTube.com for says Chris Voss, uh, Goodreads.com for says Chris Voss, and LinkedIn.com for says Chris Voss, which seems to be the smartest internet network this uh, this the, these days. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time. And thanks, Jeffrey. I'll get that.